Hey, this is Rob Cass with Local Tri-Vibe, and uh, I've got Jason Falcon with me today from uh, – uh, Jason, you're with Falcon Fitness. Uh, is it Get Fit Falcon, or what is uh, what is it you go by these days? Hey, Robert. Yeah, man. It's uh, it is Falcon Fitness and Nutrition is the company, and then my website is www.getfalconfit.com. So, um, is, is that pretty much what you asked? The name of the company and the site. Very cool. So, listen. Today's uh, podcast is brought to us by a, a local Hampton Roads company called In and Out Express Care. Uh, In-N-Out Express Care is an award-winning locally-owned urgent care uh, facility with four locations, uh, Hampton, Newport News, Virginia Beach, and Chesapeake. And uh, I personally know that they are uh, endurance athlete friendly, so that's kind of where I go when I need uh, a quick fix and a regular doctor is just not going to cut it for me. But um, So let's, let's get to it. Um, Jason, you're a, you're a fitness guy. You're a nutrition coach from what I can gather. And um, uh, have you always been in the fitness industry, and how did that happen for you? Yeah, man. Uh, it's sort of what I've evolved to. I, I joke and say I sort of have um, hobby ADD. So as far as the fitness side of things, I'm uh, kind of evolving through that as I, as I get older and, and kind of figure out what keeps uh, keeps my interest and, more importantly, what my body can sustain. So progressed from uh, powerlifting into CrossFit and then got very into the endurance stuff. So kind of pulled a little bit back on the lifting and got into – Road races, which turned into trail races, um, have gone into longer and longer ultra marathons, um, done a couple sprint triathlons, really just trying to stay having fun, man. Uh, I lift probably three or four days a week and then do some semblance of either running or rucking another, uh, usually three days a week. Um, just, just staying having fun, man, <laughs> chasing, uh, having, having fun and setting different goals and then uh, pushing through those and setting new ones. So then you've just been in shape your whole life. Is this a gene thing? Is this a family thing? Or did you, uh, like, how did you get into where you are now? So others tell me that I'm at the far side of the spectrum and that I have way too many races every year and that I do these crazy things. But, no, um, it has not been lifelong. I think I'm where I am now because I was, uh, well, I spent uh, about five years sort of at the other end of the spectrum. Um, I was pretty active and relatively fit growing up. I was a, you know, an athlete all through school, played football, played baseball, all in high school. And, um, after high school, I ended up getting a series of back surgeries over a few years span where, uh, my diet was just absolutely terrible. And I was basically sedentary recovering from back surgeries, gained, uh, a whole lot of weight really, really quick and uh, got up to over 250 pounds. I was pretty much right near 260 and uh, really out of shape, terrible blood markers. Um, my wife and I had our first child, our daughter, and I was just in terrible, terrible shape. Um, that's sort of when I started to get into CrossFit. Um, didn't, didn't change my diet whatsoever, and I uh, was getting pretty frustrated working out five or six days a week, not really losing any weight whatsoever. And when I finally decided to get my diet in check, that's when everything sort of took on a whole different look and a different feel. And so nutrition for me was the, the missing component that helped me lose, you know, about 90 pounds now. I went from just about 260 to now maintaining between 170 and 175. So spending that time there feeling like I was watching life from the sidelines, I think motivated me to now um, sort of having taken – taking my life back and getting myself, you know, healthy and being a better, a better dad, um, better role model for my kids and everything. Um, 
kind of pushes me to, to go to the other side of things and try out some of these races that have become, you know, sort of more routine for me that others call extreme, but I don't think they're that extreme. You just, you know, like anything else, train up for it and, and you know, progress up into them. So let me let me stop you and backtrack for just a second because, I mean, there's so much information out there. I'm, I'm blown away by keto, by, um, you know, uh, intermittent fasting, by vegan, by, I mean, Everybody's losing weight one way, but there's so much information. How did you zero in on what, like, how did you get to a place of clarity where you could make decisions and see the change? Because so many people can't. Yeah, well, I mean, you're absolutely right. And not only is there a ton of, a ton of different, uh, you know, choices or strategies or techniques one can try to use to lose weight, but then you have all these people finding their version of the best thing. And, you know, it, we're in an age of social media. So if you see a hundred different people talking about dieting, you're probably going to, you know, see a hundred different things that they're calling the best. Um, so I'm, I'm very much a human being. Um, I tried, you know, probably five different things before I found the one that was right for me. Um, and what I think more than anything that each person needs to find something based in, you know, math and science, something evidence-based uh, that works for a reason, but more than that, they need to find, you know, the right protocol for them. What can they actually sustain? What can they do day-to-day through everyday life where they can, you know, go out with their family or go to their kid's birthday party or, you know, train at a high level, recover well, perform well? Um, it's yeah. finding that, you know, something that encompasses all those things that actually you know, they can sustain long enough for time and consistency to do their thing. You know, the main part about any diet, it's going to, and I guess for purposes of this, when we say diet, for someone that wants to lose weight, they're going to have to be in a caloric deficit. Um, the problem with a lot of things that a lot of people are trying uh, right now, something like, like keto, for example, um, keto is great for the right person. Most people, most everyday people I know doing keto are not quantifying what's coming in. They're sort of just relying on getting right. into ketosis. Um, and so it usually works for a little bit. The, the tricky part about keto and what makes a lot of people fall in love with it right off the bat is because they cut out all their carbs is they dump a bunch of water weight in that first week or two weeks. And so they think, wow, this is, this is magic. Weight's just falling off. Right. And then because so they're not quantifying what's – yep, go ahead. Yeah, no, I saw something. Um, I'm sure it was uh... – I, I saw it on your site. I wrote it down because it's one of the, the, the it's, it's everything. It says, don't trust the process, understand the process. Can you talk a little bit about right. that? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's one of those things. It's like if, um, you know, if you want to train for a half Ironman and uh, you met some guy on the Internet that said, uh, you know, I, 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 have this, I have this training plan that's going to, you know, help you just say shave three hours off your time, and you go, well, that just sounds literally impossible. How does that work? If they're responsible, right. well, don't worry about how it works. Just trust the process. You're probably going to be pretty right. skeptical, right? Because it's like, well, dude, I'm about to invest in this. I'm about to put however many hours a week into training. I, I want to know why it works. Um, and I think that really anything you're doing, uh, you're, you know, whoever you're taking advice from, much less, you know, paying for their advice, they should probably be able to, you know, tell you why it works. Ideally, they should be able to say, here's your end goal, and sort of back plot it from there and, and take you backward through the progression saying, here's the benchmarks we're going to hit, here's why we're going to hit mm-hmm. them. And I guess kind of going back a few steps when I said 
it's very important that you find something that's rooted in math and science. You don't want to lose weight magically. You want to lose it methodically. Um, and if you're, if you're losing via something that's evidence-based, mostly um, you know, your energy balance is going to determine what your, what your weight is doing. So you want to be quantifying what's coming in so that the mathematics are there. Um, and if the mathematics are there, then it's very easy for a nutrition coach like myself to tell you why something is working. Um, I, I think you should you know, trust the person you're working with. If you're working with a nutrition coach, either lose weight or dial in performance. But I think that they should um, – they should give you enough information uh, along the way to where you're not trusting them blindly. You're trusting them because they've built the credibility and they've given you all the knowledge and information, you know, to earn that trust. And how important is it to be uh, working with somebody who's been there and done that and doing what you would like to be doing? Like I have a problem going to a doctor for a sports inju injury, almost any sports-related injury because they're giving me, um, they're masking problems, which is what the mask does, instead of addressing the, the, the core of it. Is it the same with nutrition? You know, I think it is. I think it varies, um, you know, person to person. I can tell you that the, the, I get that feedback very commonly, that people have a much easier time taking direction from someone that's been there, done that, um, you know, again, going back to weight loss, most of my people um, outside of extreme endurance athletes, even, you know, high-level endurance athletes, during their off-season, most of them are trying to change their weight um, however much. Some people, you know, if someone is 50 pounds overweight and they're competing more recreationally, um, you know, like you or I, they are probably going to you know, focus on performance during season. But then in the off-season, so over the course of two or three seasons, they're probably going to try to get down a decent chunk of change. And if you have someone mm -hmm. that's been just, you know, forever ripped or shredded or whatever term you want to use, and they're giving directions and they've never really quite been there, done that, and had to grapple with hunger for days on end or weeks on end or months on end, it just, it's a little bit tougher of a pill to swallow when you're feeling hungry and they say, hey, just deal with it. Versus maybe someone yeah. that's sort of, you know, been there, had to deal with it, and they feel like the road that they were traveling was a long road because of how much they had to lose. Um, sure. Honestly, honestly, I don't always tell people uh, my story um, because I think it's more about them than it is me, but I can tell you the folks mm -hmm. that didn't know that when that conversation did come up, it basically, you know, changed their tune entirely, and they're like, oh, man, well, you know, I wish I'd have known that because that kind of changes everything. So I guess to answer your question, I, I, I guess it does make a, a big difference for most people. I don't, you know, flaunt that information out there openly about my own journey. I probably should talk about it more. Um, I just, mm -hmm. for whatever reason, don't talk about it as much as I do. Um, that's amazing. Well, I, and I think that's too. I think at the end of the day, if you're leading with that and you're touting it and you're, you know, it has a different effect than somebody finding out after the fact. So I think that's, um, whether it's by design or not, I think it, it works uh, just to cement your validity in the space that you're in. So that's kind of cool. But, you know, there's something else you talked about. It was the scale. You know, everybody looks at a scale as the one uh, measurement that they're gauging their success or their, their progress along a plan. It's difficult because they're everywhere and everybody talks about it. But um, oh, yeah. how do you quantify the importance of the scale in, in, in your eyes to your clients? Well, I, I think a lot of people um, are probably, you know, they'd either be disappointed in my reply to that 
question or they think I'm blowing smoke. But honestly, I wish that we didn't even have to use this scale. Um, they're helpful to an extent. Um, as a coach, what I look for more than anything is weekly trending, week over week. Mm -hmm. You know, what, what was your average weight this week compared to last week? And what was it last week compared to the week before? So I do have my folks weigh in daily, but it's, it's literally just for purposes of extracting that weekly average. Some people say, well, can I just weigh in, you know, once or twice a week? And if we, if we did that, the problem with that would be, well, what if the day before their, their once-a-week weigh-in, they either finished super low on water intake or they ate just a, a huge, you know, maybe they went out to Chinese or Mexican for dinner and just ate a ton of sodium. And so out of nowhere, okay. their weight bumped up four or five pounds. If they only took a, yeah. you know, a daily weigh-in, I'm sorry, weekly weigh-in one time, well, then they could have worked their butt off all week, absolutely, you know, crushed their nutrition plan, but they would have had a very misleading scale fluctuation uh, to throw them off. So I ask them to weigh in daily, um, and a lot of people get very, very, very wrapped up in those daily numbers. Their pants could be fitting totally different. They could be just feeling totally, you know, much improved through training, laying down paces that just feel infinitely easier, and then, bam, they step on the scale and they're up two pounds, and, and they, you know, they get – pretty negative about it. And I'm like, dude, look at what you're doing. Look what she just did this week. I mean, you're performing better. Your kit is fitting looser. Things are going great. Don't let that scale number define you. And it's tough. And that's something that I went through myself. Shoot. I mean, I told you I've, I've lost almost 90. I still go through it, right? <laughs> we're, we're humans. We have emotions. It's, it's difficult to kind of detach ourselves from that scale. But, you know, I say it all the time. I wish they made a scale that didn't even have a readout. They just stepped on it. It sent their information to coach. I could see it, and I could work their, you know, work my magic for them. And uh, it, it'd be amazing to me to see how how people would would do um, in that regard. Just never even seeing that number, taking you know progress pictures every two to three weeks, and letting those you know really tell the story on top of how they're feeling and how they're performing. Sure. What um what other indicators do you use? Do you use blood and body fat and, or anything like that? So typically what I do with folks is progress pictures. Um, typically every two to three weeks. Uh, I There's some folks that are, that are doing them weekly. Basically depending on where they are in their journey will dictate how often we need progress pictures. Uh, a waist measurement is super helpful. Body fat can be um, – body fat can be great. There's – kind of varying degrees of accuracy, especially like on scales that we would have in our bathroom, they're not going to be accurate like a, like a bod pod or a DEXA scan, but they're usually pretty accurate relative to themselves. Again, getting back to that trending, um, it'll show the, the trending relative to itself over time. So those are great. Um, so yeah, uh, waist measurements usually do two or three times a week. That is usually the biggest, the biggest one. Um, and getting back to your point about the scale, it's very, very common for a scale to, to move minimally. But if, you're, you know, if your waist measurement dropped you know, three-quarters of an inch or an entire inch in a week's time, then that scale number really means nothing because there's no way you're losing you know, midsection size without losing body fat. So very common. And it, athletes especially, as they train and they're either you know, holding on to or actually building muscle but losing body fat, that scale is going to show pretty much no change at all because they're – they're losing uh, fat but building muscle at the same time, and that's where the measurements are huge. Sure. So we're we're on, we spent a lot of time on one side, on the nutrition side, um, strength yeah. training. What what else is uh, what else is the other half of your or the other parts of what you do? Because I know it's not just nutrition. You do sounds like you do some strength training as well. 
Uh, are you asking what I do personally or what I offer for clients? Yeah, for clients. Yeah, so a big part of uh, what I do is, is on the fitness side of it is just remote workout programming. Um, you know, 20 years ago, if you wanted to, to get some help with figuring out a good routine for you, whether it be sport-specific or just a general routine to follow, you know, two to three days a week for, for better just overall health and, and day-to-day fitness, you would have to go into a gym and meet with a personal trainer and pay however many dollars a session and be there at a certain time. Well, thanks to, you know, technology and, and the Internet and all these apps that we have, now you can uh, work with someone wherever they are in the world um, and get workout programming, uh, you know, right at your fingertips. So you have a plan to follow. Um, everything I do is going to be customized to each individual and what their goals are. Someone that, again, is training for a, a half Ironman or an Ironman is not going to obviously train the same way as someone that, uh, you know, wants to compete in powerlifting. They're going to need two very different uh, programs. Um, for, for endurance athletes especially, it's all about trying to get them the best layout so that uh, recovery from one isn't impacted by the other. Um, it's very, very simple um, to accidentally impede recovery from one because you don't really know where to plug in workouts, and so you just think, well, uh, you know, more is better when – when that's not usually the case. You want to be methodical with how you lay these things out. And so uh, a lot of people will come to me for help with the workout so that they're not just, you know, blindly guessing and hoping for the best. Sure. And is that based on, uh, is there other programs you use, uh, certifications that you've acquired for that? How How do you get that to that place where you can make those recommendations? Yeah, so I I have two different nutrition certifications. And then I have a certified personal trainer certification. So I've got uh, the three different certs that let me work in both areas. Um, and what was your first question to that end? Yeah, no, just trying to figure out. Um, you, you've got the certifications. I guess that's the answer to the question. It's not just, you know, I mean, you have powerlifters on one side of the spectrum. You've got triathletes on the other side. Um, I think we all struggle at some point um, with recovery that leads to, you know, illness and uh, well, maybe not illness, but overuse injuries basically is what it boils down to. Your body not recovering, you're being incomplete. I, I, like I have no idea. I've completed full Ironman. I've completed some cool distances. I still don't really have an honest-to-goodness clue what an actual recovery plan looks like. I, you know what I mean? I, I don't think a lot of triathletes do. Um, really, we just punish our bodies day after day after day and tell ourselves oh, yeah. that suffering is the plan. <laughs> yeah, um, and, and, you know, you and I could probably laugh at it, but a, a huge, huge part of anyone's regimen is the rest days. And so I program, you know, planned rest days for my clients, and I'll get, I'll get a, you know, a text or a message or whatever halfway through the day, and they say, hey, Jason, I, you know, I just couldn't sit still. I'm out, I'm out on this, you know, eight-mile hike with a 40-pound pack on. And I say, what part, of rest day, what part of rest day were we unclear on? You know, that's – it's different stimulus. It's not your. It's it's not sport specific to what you normally do, but you're very much still beating down your body. And if you don't have you know plan plan recovery, plan rest days, that recovery repair is just not happening. So you're further beating down your muscles. So a, you know a good program will have two different things: periodization, so you're not just forever in an accumulation phase. Um, but then mm-hmm. absolutely, you know the the rest days are vital, um, and that's something that I think especially. As people go longer with their distances, um, they they neglect their rest days more and more and more. So uh, I'm trying to trying to fight the good fight to that end, but it, 
I'm, you know, I'm stubborn. My coach works on me on those, and it is tough. When you're forever in motion, it's tough to be comfortable taking, you know, rest days. But they are absolutely, you know, what I try to instill is they're as important as the workouts themselves. If you're never letting the workouts get full benefit from rest days, then you're, you're doing yourself a huge disservice. Yeah, and, you know, along with rest days, it's, it's um, once I, you know, once I completed my big event, whatever your big event is, I don't care if it's a 5K, if you couch the 5K, what, everybody's big event is their big event to them. My challenge yeah. is after your A race, like in that period after it's done, I undo the top button of my belt and just let it all hang. Like I just I've <laughs> got to get better off season. You know what I mean? It's ridiculous how far out of shape I can go and how far I can let myself go in that, well, I've earned it, I'm, I'm there. So I can't imagine the complexity of what you do with the amount of people you do with all the different goals, all the different lifestyles. I don't know how you do it. I, I don't. But it's cool that you do, though. So how do you address all those different types of people? Because nobody wants to rest, you know? No, and you know what? Um, kind of what you just said, um, it, it amazes me how sports can be so very, very different but the overriding themes are so very much the same. I've worked with, uh, like, physique and bodybuilding competitors, and it's very much the same. They come into these shows um, where it's, they have this singular focus on getting ready for that stage for however long, uh, you know, eight weeks, 12 weeks, 16 weeks, and they lay it all out there, um, you know, physically, and then, as, uh, again, because you've done longer races, you know, emotionally, it's just this huge, huge workup, and then it's race day, and then – it crashes and then it's done. And so just like we, you know, we hit this, we hit this kind of valley, this lull, you know, stage competitors can do the same thing and very much the same. You get into this emotional place where if you're not careful, careful, you can kind of do this, this hard rebound where you don't just not sustain where you got, but you kind of run the other way. And so a big part of what I do is, is, you know, on those mindset things and staying, talking to people and trying to you know, keep them out of their heads. I think that's where a huge part of, of the active recovery days are big. It's not going from this huge thing to doing nothing. It's, you know, a couple of days of nothing, but then even if it's a programmed, you know, go out and walk two miles. That's going to do a lot more for you than sitting on the couch thinking about, hey, I'm hungry. Let me go eat something and, you know, not doing anything for a month. It's, it's a right. very small total rest period and then slowly ramping back up into something. And then a lot of times it just comes down to goal setting from there. It's getting the next thing maybe your big race uh, you know was a full iron man well then maybe mm-hmm. it's you know two 10ks and a half six months later it, it doesn't have to always be this one big thing and i think yeah, that's where yeah. working with a coach toward toward goal setting and having benchmarks you know along the way can be super helpful and this is all the stuff that you provide in your coaching sessions correct i do i, I basically have two different options so, um Probably 80% of the folks that I work with are doing solely nutrition. It's very common for someone to have, uh, you know, a uh, triathlon coach or a running coach or a a cycling coach and then come to me for the nutrition side of it. And then there's people that don't have the the sport-specific coach that are looking for help either with, uh, you know, workouts for for a competition coming up or just a generalized plan plus the nutrition. So I I offer uh, both of them. Okay. Well, listen, I have a, I appreciate your time today. Um, um, I know you've got other things to do, but I really uh, would love to get your commitment to a future podcast, if at all possible. Oh, absolutely, so, uh, man. This is, this is a blast. Yeah, we'll try that out. 
Cool. And um, and what I'm going to do is I'll wrap it up now, and then we'll um, and we'll we'll circle back around and see what kind of feedback we get on what kind of information people are looking for. All right. Sounds great, man. Keep me posted. Happy to go into detail, whatever uh, people are interested in hearing about. Sounds good. I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up. I appreciate it again, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you in the near future, all right? All right. Sounds great, man. I'll talk to you soon. Sounds good. Bye-bye.